if you say, no, I'm not going to show up where I was told to go because I don't want to, you know, have to do any work or I want to do it my way. So I'm going to go over on Main Street. You're not going to see the parade. You're going to miss it. You're going to miss it because you're, you set up there. And, and in the same way, when God says, this is where I reveal myself. This is <clears throat> how I work. This is where I show my glory. And it's not earned or merited or deserved, but I do it here. Then we position ourselves there. This yeah. is the, the parade route. And so in these things as means of grace, we, we do them all by faith. Mm-hmm. Because God promises to bestow his, his active, dynamic, transforming mm. grace in our lives through these things. You're listening to Make and Multiply, a podcast devoted to equipping the members of Emmaus Road Church to make and multiply disciples of Jesus Christ in the city of Sioux Falls. The people of Emmaus Road are committed to regular rhythms of gathering and scattering. We gather corporately in worship on Sunday mornings. We gather in missional communities and discipleship huddles. And we scatter throughout our city where we want to give every resident of Sioux Falls repeated opportunities to hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Make and Multiply. My name is Matt Groon, and I'm one of the pastors at Emmaus Road Church, and I'm joined Again, this this morning with Ryan Chase and Caleb Nuremberger. Ryan's a pastor with me at Emmaus Road, and uh, Caleb serves on our as our pastoral resident as well as leads our music team. And this week we're returning back for part two of the Church of Christ. And as always, <laughs> start with an apology that we realized as we were about as to re- as always we realized <laughs> as we were about to record part two because uh, we only have two pieces left of the Church of Christ that. It's going to have to be a three-parter. It's just... We just run long. We just run long, and there's a lot here. There's a lot packed in. And, and just back off. Thing. Okay, so this was part two of three uh, of the local church, or excuse me, of the local church, of the Church of Christ. Um, and the reason why is because these next two, the first one that we're going to cover today, the sacraments of the church, it's just got to be its own. And then there's another on the purpose and mission of the church, which we will get to in part three, which will be... <laughs> which will be our last Yeah, you can't go one. any more than that. That's right. Yeah, it's, it's getting too aggressive after that. That's so crazy. we are going to do uh, the sacraments of the church. So this is still under uh, section 12 of the Statement of Faith, Sovereign Grace Statement of Faith, the Church of Christ, subsection 3, the sacraments of the church. The sacraments are precious means of grace that signify the benefits of the gospel, confirm its promise to the believer, and visibly distinguish the church from the world. The Lord Jesus instituted two sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper, for faithful observance by the church until he returns. Baptism is a is an initiatory, 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 unrepeated sacrament for those who come to faith in Christ that pictures their remission of sins and union with Christ in his death and resurrection. Through immersion in water, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the believer publicly proclaims his faith in Christ and signifies his entrance into the body of Christ. Although commanded by Christ and a true means of grace, Grace is not so inseparably tied to baptism that no one can be saved without it, or that everyone who is baptized is thereby saved. In the Lord's Supper, the gathered church eats bread, signifying Christ's body given for his people, and drinks the cup of the Lord, signifying his blood shed for our sins. As we observe this sacrament with faith and sober self-examination, 
we remember and proclaim the death of, of Christ, commune with him and receive spiritual nourishment for our sins, signify our unity with other members of Christ's body, and look forward to the Lord's triumphant return. Mm. That is rich. That is rich. And that's why we're going to do, do one episode yeah. <laughs> on this one. Um, partly because in the sacraments of the church, as it says, uh, the Lord Jesus instituted two sacraments for the local church. So a question could be, uh, in our last, on our last episode we, about the local church, we talked about a true church, it says, is marked by three things. Faithful preaching of the word, which is done by those elders and, and pastors that we talked about earlier the right administration of the sacraments, and finally, the proper exercise of church discipline. So this is a key category. Uh, This is, in fact, called one of the keys of the kingdom. It is one of the the true markers of what makes a church a true church. Um, They need to be doing these three things. And one of those is uh, the right administration of the sacraments. And that's such a crucial point because, again, in the broader American evangelicalism, mm. there tends to be kind of a, an emphasis on, well, you know, we take the the line where Jesus said, wherever two or more are gathered in my name, Matthew 18. And so then there's this sense that any anywhere you have two Christians, you've got church going on. Mm. Um, so you could have a small group of people meeting at Scooter's coffee shop, reading the Bible, and that's church. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like one Christian music artist up on the stage at Life Flight, everybody's singing a worship song. So he says, we're doing church here. Um, you know, again, take kind of confusing the universal church we all belong to with the local church. W- what is it that sets uh, a local church apart from a Bible study or uh, a hangout of yeah. Christians? Well, a local church is intentionally gathering <laughs> to practice these things that Jesus Christ, our Lord, commanded us to do, to preach his word, to baptize, to uh, partake of this meal together to practice church discipline. So, so that sets the local church apart from just a, a any old gathering yeah. of people who are Christians. Yeah. Mm. And that's especially in a, in a world of like another aspect, I think of a tendency of the American churches, churches could be about a lot of things, right. uh, about mercy ministry, if you will, or fighting abortion or feeding the, feeding the, uh, the hungry and, and so forth. Yes, those are things that churches can do, but what is it that constitutes them as a church? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what has um, Jesus told us to do? Right. So, you know, when we gather, what do we do? Right. And, and th- these are the things that we are to do. I, I'm going to read that first sentence one more time because yeah. I think, it, I think yeah. it really sets the tone for how we're going to think about this because yep. there are really important words in here, okay? The sacraments, which we should talk about, <laughs> are precious means of grace. It's another phrase we should talk about. That signify, that's going to be a word we're going to talk about, the benefits of the gospel, confirm its promises to the believer, and visibly distinguish the church from the world. Should this be a two-part? Yeah, we're going to take three parts on the two-part of the one part, and we'll figure this out here. Okay, yeah. But the so this is the reason why we're going to take some time here is because these debates really have been happening. These discussions have been happening for thousands of years, uh, and particularly on the sacraments. This is, a, this is a thing. This is a key category that separates Protestants from the Catholic Church. That, um, yes, there was the commitment to uh, solo fide and solo scriptura and all those that Martin Luther fired up with his, his 95 Theses, but another key category that distinguishes Protestants from Catholics that happened in the Reformation was this discussion on the sacraments um, about this means of grace about 
the signifying of, of the means of grace. So yeah, maybe Ryan, help us out. Why are those, the words that I pointed out in particular, like sacraments, mm-hmm. some churches call them ordinances. ordinances. Mm-hmm. Yep. What do we mean by sacrament and what is meant by means of grace and particularly that word signify? Th- yeah. Those are the words I want to pick apart a little bit. Yeah. So sacrament comes from the Latin word in English, you know, sacred. It's related to the, sa- the word for sacred or holy, mm-hmm. something set apart. Um, so, so these are holy practices because God has given them to the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of the, the history of the Catholic church and their view of sacraments as things that are done, performed, that confer a certain you know deposit of grace into somebody's life, whether mm-hmm. or not that person is believing or not, just so long as it's done correctly by the priest. Yeah. Uh, and I think the Catholic Church has seven sacraments that essentially, you know, think of a, a bank account and, and you get more and more quantity, yeah. a, a deposit of grace through each of these yeah. sacraments. But faith in the person participating in it isn't Necessary to say it another way, it makes grace transactional. Yeah, if I do these things, there is a transaction, or you said a deposit of grace in my life, and and then that foundation then spreads out to a lot of other teachings. It's not a means of grace; it's a means to grace. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one reason that Protestants, uh, in in some circles, are a little apprehensive of the word sacrament Mm because I want to be clear: we're not we're not saying that. So sometimes use the word ordinance because Jesus ordained, ordered these things. Right. He's given these things to the church. Uh, we're comfortable with the word sacrament because, you know, we're clear on what it is, how, how they function. Um, and that phrase you highlighted there, we see these as means of grace. Um, we don't perform these in order to earn grace in a transactional way. And faith is necessary. So there's the line there at the end of the section on um, baptism that, you know, it, this is commanded by Christ. It is a true means of grace, but grace is not so inseparably tied to baptism that no one can be saved without it. We can talk about those exceptions. What if you hmm. put your faith in Jesus on your deathbed and there's no time to be baptized? You're saved. Yeah. Don't worry. Yep. Uh, or that everyone who is baptized is thereby saved. Right. That view, so, so long as you do the ritual, now right. you're saved because baptism conferred the salvation on right. you apart from your faith. No, if, if you participate in baptism, but you're not trusting in Jesus Christ with a living and active saving faith, then you're not saved mm-hmm. just because you got dunked in water. Or right. What if you've been water. baptized twice? Okay. Well. What does that do? Does that, yeah. Have you double, been baptized more saved? than once? Now? I have so much grace. You guys, <laughs> I, I got, I got it in spades. Okay. Yeah. So we think of these as means of grace. Uh, another way to think about that is th- this is where God gives his grace by promise mm-hmm. and we receive it by faith, not by works. So he promises it not by by merit. We're not earning it. It's not payment for any work that we've rendered to him. And when he gives a promise and he says, this is where and how I'm going to pour out undeserved, unmerited grace, then faith says, well, I'm, I'm going to stand right there. So mm-hmm. sometimes we use the analogy of like, you know, if there's a, a spigot, this this is where the water comes out. If God says, this is where I pour out this unmerited grace, then we would do well to stand under that spigot with our buckets to, you know, receive that. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's not a, it's not a works thing. It's not a meritorious thing. If people are worried about, well, I, I don't want to do that. Cause that sounds like I have to perform some work. No, it's, it's faith. God says, yeah. this is where it's going to go. Um, 
So you think about manna from heaven when yeah. God says it's going to be there, gather it up. And, you know, on the Sabbath, there's going to be none. So you double know, up, double yeah. up. Um, and, and it'll stay good. It's, it's a, it's a faith thing. You take God at his word. And I think critically that, that phrase means of grace helps as we get to this next word to sig- of signify that it's not just mere, these, these are not just only signs as if, right. you know, that it has there's nothing, nothing is happening other it's than just a symbol, just a symbol. Yeah. No, they, there is something happening, Yes, but it's not the transactional, uh, That's right. Deposit of grace. So I think that that means of grace helps us remember that this is this is incredible. Yeah. This is an incredible grace <clears throat> of God of what we are witnessing, what these people are, what we participate in the Lord's Supper, what this person is participating in baptism, and it is a this. These are functions of a corporate nature. Yeah. These are functions for the church. So you know, w- we are meant to witness it. We're meant to participate in it. Yeah. And so. Go ahead. Uh, just one other analogy, because I think it, it it's important to be clear on means of grace. Because it, um, it, I think of it sometimes like a parade route. You know, the parade of lights happens on so the the night after Thanksgiving downtown Sioux Falls. It, before you go, you check the parade route, and you know, okay, the parade of lights is going down Phillips Avenue. So you position yourself, you find your parking spot, you get your family to Phillips Avenue because mm-hmm. you want to see the lights. Mm-hmm. When you get there and you position yourself there, and the lights go by, there's no sense of like I. I earned this, or this is payment for what I did. Right. No, you, you position yourself there because you were told this is where the parade goes. If you say, no, I'm not going to show up where I was told to go because I don't want to you know, have to do any work or I want to do it my way, so I'm going to go over on Main Street, you're not going to see the parade. You're going to miss it. You're going to miss it because you're, you set up there. And, and in the same way, when God says, this is where I reveal myself, this is <clears throat> how I work, this is where I show my glory, and it's not earned or merited or deserved, but I do it here, then we position ourselves there. This yeah. is the, the parade route. And so in these things as means of grace, we, we do them all by faith mm-hmm. because God promises to bestow his His active, dynamic, transforming mm. grace in our lives through these things. Yeah, which speaks to the function but of it, but also to the significance of it as well, the effect of it, if you right. will. Like we just <clears throat> had the Lord's Supper on Sunday and we don't do it just to check off the box and say we did it once right. a month. But I think what we're, what we're kind of holding up right now, what makes it a means of grace is that the effect of it on the believer is, is more awareness, deeper affection for deeper gratitude for the, 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 the person and work of Jesus Christ, yeah. the, the, the fountains of grace that are lavished on us in Christ. Yeah. Um, doing that together really matters too, because you're looking around and seeing we are all confessing Christ together. We're holding fast to yeah, Christ together. We're, 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 we're trusting his blood to wash us. We're trusting his life to be ours uh, in, in light of the father. And, and so there is that, what makes it a means of grace then too, is that the effect is that I am, I am edified. Mm-hmm. I am, my faith is strengthened. I am built. I'm ready to go, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you know, into the world, trusting God, That's good. Uh, equipped by him, uh, mindful of his, his, his nearness to me, his favor, all mm-hmm. those things. So really what you're, I mean, what we're saying is that these sacraments, they, they really do get stuff done, mm-hmm. yeah. but not meritorious stuff, <clears throat> not like we did it, therefore God pay up, mm-hmm. uh, but rather just out of the sheer abundance of God's grace of how he seemed fit to work in and through the local church 
to build up and mature his people and disciple his people. These are key elements. Yeah. Um, and so let's let's look at these two now. With that kind of backdrop of what, what do we mean when we talk about the sacraments um, as means of grace that signify, and they do signify much greater realities than just this piece of bread in this yeah. cup and, and, and just dunking somebody in water. There, there's, there's cosmic realities at play, all pointing back, as Caleb, you said, back to Christ and his work. So l- let's just start with this first one, with, with baptism. Um, man, if there's one thing that we that has been debated quite a bit, and really this is one of the key things, and, and how, we, how people uh, do the sacraments is a key distinction between denominations. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, some might say, well, why can't we all just get over it? No, these, these matter. Mm-hmm. Um, as Carl Truman once said, denominations mean somebody somewhere believes something true. <laughs> and this is one of them is we, because of what we believe about the nature of baptism, we are different than our Presbyterian brothers. There, there's more that we have different with them, but this would be a, a, a critical one. In fact, when I read uh, something like the Heidelberg Catechism, which is a Reformed, Dutch Reformed um, confession, this might be the only thing I would differ with it. <laughs> and, I mean, other than it's, it's uh, cessationism. But uh, this is a, this, the, we have a lot in common, but these things matter, yeah. um, and they are important. Uh, so let's start there. Why, men, do we practice? How do we practice baptism, and why do we do it that way? Yeah. So like the statement of faith says, Jesus instituted these two things. He yeah, commanded good. us to baptize in the Great Commission when he said, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded, and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So uh, baptism is something that Jesus commanded. We do it mm-hmm. because Jesus told us to, which is helpful for anyone who's wrestling with like, well, I don't, you know, that requirement seems like an extra thing. I just believe in salvation by faith alone, by grace alone. Why do I have to do this thing? The simple answer is because Jesus said so. So Mm -hmm. it's really, when you come to saving faith, it is like the statement of faith says, uh, what was that word again, Matt? Initiatory. Okay. Well, (laughs) it's initiatory. Yeah. I think that's it. Add it Um, to the list. It, it, is the very first thing, the initiation into a life of discipleship. And so, yes, you're saved by faith. And when you trust in Christ, you obey him, what Paul calls the beginning and end of Romans, the obedience of faith. Mm. And baptism is the first act of obedience, of obedient faith. Yeah. Trusting in Christ, baptized to identify with Christ in his death and burial and resurrection. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it, it's the entrance in that publicly identifies somebody as united to Christ and to his church. Yeah. It really is the first act that, um, infleshes, if you will, your confession of faith. Um, it's one thing to, to say, yeah, I'm a Christian. I believe this. And it's another thing to do something. Right. Um, it's that first step of obedience. In fact, uh, some denominations go so far as to say that like we, I'm not even, we would not necessarily call you a Christian until you've done this. Right. It, it is a first entrance that unites you to the people of God in a way that, it, it, you know, we talk about these things and it's easy to think through, we're talking about this like mysticism or this magical, you know, voodoo thing. But no, it's, it's, it is true that something happens in some of these, in some of the rituals we do, something happens. Think of like a, a marriage. Right. These two people were single. 
they go through a ritual and they come down the aisle different. Mm -hmm. There is something different about them. Not some weird mysticism didn't happen up there on the altar, but Mm -hmm. vows were made. Commitments were made, yeah. declarations were made. Rings were exchanged. Exactly. So that, there's a, a symbol of the covenant that they made. The covenant is the vows they make to mm-hmm. one another. The rings are exchanged as a symbol of that right. covenant. And if somebody protested and said, well, why do I have to go through a marriage ceremony? That just seems like a lot of work. That seems mm-hmm. expensive. Isn't it enough that I just love her in my heart? Right. <laughs> we would say, uh, no, that love in your heart has to be that subjective, solemnized. That subjective thing needs to be become objective. It needs to be, there needs to be an objective. And that's why the word initiation is Mm -hmm. used. It's this, uh, this beginning, this objective, we all know we were, and why it's corporate. It's people that says public right here. How do we, how do we know you're married? Well, it's because we were there and we witnessed it. Right. How do we know? We heard the vows you said, we were all there. And now our job as members of the body is to hold you to those vows. So it becomes this objective start, uh, this one time initiation and another I think we've, we've noticed this sometimes in, you know, in just talking in church membership, because we ask, have you been baptized as we do our membership interviews? Um, I think a hesitancy is towards baptism sometimes from Christians is saying, well, I, I just don't know if I'm there yet. Mm -hmm. Meaning, I don't know if I'm mature enough to be able to be baptized. And I think you've said Ryan multiple times, I think it's well said. Baptism is the the first step of obedience. It's, it's, it's your first ent- it's your first step of obedience and it's meant to be okay now you go from here yeah yeah there's not a super high bar you know theology test you have to pass right. it it really is are you trusting in Jesus Christ alone right. for the forgiveness of your sins and for the fulfillment of every promise that God has made to you and do you count him as your lord and savior and resolve by his grace to yes. trust him as lord and obey him Yes. So they baptize pool. you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I think that point is, is excellent, Caleb, that it, like marriage is public, even though it's a private relationship between those two people, it's right. publicly recognized. Likewise, if somebody says, well, this is about me and Jesus, just my personal relationship with Jesus. Yes, but that's to be publicly acknowledged. We, we confess him as Lord in front of the world. Yeah. Well, there's the effect again of the means of grace as well. For those witnessing yeah. that, yeah. And because of what it depicts and, and shows us again and reminds us of the That's glorious right. realities of being buried and raised with Christ, right. there's an effect on everyone witnessing that, that it, it's edifying. It's, yes. we say yes and amen. We don't just like, well, that was great. We got a good picture of it. No, that, that builds us up. And so what, that's why we, we do this in our Sunday gathering right. in the midst of the whole entire worship right. service, because it, is, because it is a, a piece of the worship that's yeah. happening. Yep. Uh, one other thing, just to tie it to, like our statement of faith um, links this to, we, we practice believer's baptism. That's another distinction in the way, Matt, you asked how, how we practice it. Um, it says, for those who come to faith in Christ, mm-hmm. this pictures their remission of sins, their union with Christ. Uh, just one passage I could point to, but there are many others where baptism is closely connected to faith, Colossians 2, where Paul is comparing baptism to the old covenant sign, which was circumcision. He says, in Christ also, you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Mm -hmm. And so again, we see that what's crucial in baptism is not the water itself, but the faith that the one being baptized is trusting in Christ and baptism then visibly physically demonstrates signifies this union with Christ. And it's an incredible picture. This is one 
reason, you know, another distinction about how we practice baptism is we baptize by immersion. Mm -hmm. For one, that's what the Greek word means to immerse. Um, But two, everywhere we see the symbolism of baptism explained in the New Testament, it's talking about burial with Christ, resurrection with Christ. And so you go under the water, you are buried with Christ. So it is, Caleb, like you were saying, corporately for everybody witnessing a baptism, a powerful, visible, um, tangible expression of that. We're buried with Christ. We're raised to life with Christ. And faith is what matters. Yeah. So that's what we do, who it's for, and ultimately, in the key category, what it does. Uh, what is baptism? It's, it's for those who are united to Christ by faith. So it's for a believer. And how do we do it? It's with water, in the name of the triune God, by immersion, after repentance and faith in Christ. Um, and then what does it do? As it says, it, it unites the, 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 the one being baptized to the people of God um, in, in a way that, a husband and wife are united in a way, in a, in a covenantal way yeah. that now I know objectively that person belongs to us, belongs to this body, belongs to this, this belongs yeah. to the universal church. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why we do it the way that we do it. <laughs> and I'm sure there's a bunch of questions that we could go into and uh, feel free to ask those questions mm-hmm. in our listener questions uh, <laughs> things. But I think anything else to add there before we move on to the Lord's Supper? Because I, in one way that these two relate to one another is that what baptism does is it brings you into the family, in a sense. It, it gives you a new name. Um, obviously, it's a picture of your, of your confession of faith that's already taken place, which we've already talked mm-hmm. about. But this is the public confessional objective. Yeah. Unites you to the people of God, unites you to the body. And now you're around the table. And now you're around the table. And now you, can and now you belong to this family. Eat the meal. Now we eat of the meal. So that's why, why don't we, why are we only baptized one time and that we we take the Lord's Supper once a month at at our church? Um, So let's move on to the Lord's Supper. Guys, let me ask you the same question. Why do we, how do we do it? And why do we do it that way? Again, we start with Jesus instituted this uh, on the night when he was betrayed. He took bread and he broke it and he said to his disciples, this is my body, which is for you. And then likewise, he took the cup of the new covenant. He, he drank that. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. So Jesus gave this to the church. He told them, as often as you eat this bread, drink this cup, do this in remembrance of me. And yeah. Paul said, when you do this, you are proclaiming the Lord's death until he returns, yeah. 1 mm-hmm. Corinthians 11. So we know this is to be repeated. We are to do this in an ongoing way. Every time we do it, we are proclaiming the Lord's death in a particular way. You know, we, we can preach the gospel. We, we preach God's word. That That's one way we proclaim his death. But again, it, it's amazing that as embodied souls who live in physical bodies in a created world, God has given to his church visible, tangible things. Baptism, the water's real. Um, with the Lord's Supper, you're actually consuming, eating something, tasting, participating with your senses. And again, those are signs. They're pointing to something else, but they're not just symbols as though mm-hmm. all this is doing is a, you know, a little object lesson or they could for be, our minds. Or, the, or they could be anything. You right. know, it yeah. doesn't have to be bread. Yeah. Have milk to be. and Oreos. Yeah. Or, you could do whatever yeah. you want. Yeah. yeah. No, they, they, they symbolize the body and the blood of Christ. And in participating in that by faith, you're actually experiencing, receiving God's grace to nourish 
your soul. Mm. Um, so, so there's more going on than meets the eye, mm. but the fact that it does meet the eye and the taste buds and all of that is a significant part of what Jesus yeah. has given to us. And it's sensory, like all these. It, it, it really does highlight that we are embodied spirits. We're not just, you know, we don't just sit and think about Jesus. We, we act, we, we do. There's, there's taste involved and, and, and all that. So, and it's a corporate element. When we take the Lord's Supper, we take it together. There's a nature by which we look around and other people are participating in this with us. Um, there's a being served element of hmm. God is the one who gives this to you. We don't yeah. go up and take it for ourselves, and, yeah. but and just go and <clears throat> grab it. God gives it to you, and He gives it to you. He gives grace to you, in particular, He gives grace to you through Christ, through His body broken and, and blood shed. So all these elements are, <laughs> they're elements. They're elements of the of this whole process of, of taking and eating, remember and believe all that Jesus did for us. And that's what we do when we take the Lord's Supper. We're, we're remembering mm-hmm. how, what Jesus did, and we're, again, setting our faith in what he's doing. And mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. highlighting, want to highlight, uh, by taking and eating, it's not that transactional, okay, I've eaten, now give me the grace that you said you would give me. Um, as if it's just, a, we want to be filled up we don't, we don't want to, we don't want to leave. We come empty and then we do the Lord's supper transactionally. And that fills me back up in grace. And, and that view that it's more of a, of the, of the Roman Catholic view of, I must go to mass every Sunday. Why? Because I need to get that grace. I, I used it all up last week. I need to get more. So I go and I get, I, and I have to take it in a certain way that then confers or transfers that grace to me. No, we, this is such a sweet thing that we get to do as a body to, to remember. And in our remembering and believing, we are proclaiming to one another and proclaiming to the watching world. We're part of this family. Mm-hmm. This is the thing. This, this event, the cross of Christ is the thing that marks us as the people of God, that we belong. This is as this, as this section is the church of Christ. Um, so we're, we're, we're united to him in baptism in which symbolizes this down into his, into the death and then raised to newness of life mm-hmm. with him. And then the ongoing process of remembering because and this guys, this is such a sweet gift of God to us that we're, I'm a finite person. I remember, I forget stuff easily. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm often overwhelmed by life and by mm-hmm. what, whatever suffering I'm experiencing or things that are distracting me that it's a, a, a required. It really is a commanded moment to stop and remember and believe and proclaim all that Jesus did for us. Um, so that has an effect on me. Absolutely. And that's the, that is the grace that we are receiving is, is to be reminded of all that God has done for because us. Because he Jesus. is, and because he is coming back mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. there will be a day where he will be here and we'll, and we'll feast with him and we'll feast with him. Yes. Yeah. We'll be around that table. Yeah. One last point, though, I do think the corporate nature is important because I think there can be a tendency to just like introspection when the elements are passed out. I just close my eyes, I stick my head down, and I just, I, I just remember all that Christ did for me, which is vital. Yeah, which is vital, and the fact that we ingest and we take is really saying. I remember Greg. Um, sometimes he says this is like holding it up is <clears throat> here's what Christ did by taking and eating. You're saying Christ did this for me. Yeah. And so going back to it, there is a, a vital element of personal salvation here, a personal mm-hmm. wellness here, but it's not only that. Uh, 
this is happening as a body. This is a corporate event. Um, and so it helps us help. It helps me to remind her, just look around and just see it. I do this when we sing. Sometimes I just look around at the body. At, at, this is why we have the lights on when we, when we sing is, and during our church service, because we're a body, we're, we're a, we're a, 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 this is a corporate event that we are participating in. I'm just so encouraged when I look around and I see other people singing by faith and, mm-hmm. and especially during the Lord's supper as well. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, that's why we did part two, <laughs> because it's, there's a lot in there. And as always, plenty more we could say, right. um, but we'll leave it there. And then we'll finish up next week with the final part, part three, which will be one part uh, for the Church of Christ, the purpose and mission of the church. So till next time. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for listening to Make and Multiply. If you have questions about anything related to discipleship huddles or missional communities or gospel fluency, you can reach out to your missional community leader. And if you're not yet plugged into gospel community at Emmaus Road, visit us online at EmmausRoadSF.com.